Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. Today we're running through the sleepers for first base. Last episode we ran through the top 10 for first base. But you know this position's loaded, Clay. I'm Colby Olson. This is Clay Snowden. This position's freaking loaded. And there's still a ton of first baseman we need to cover here. And there's even good guys down to, you know, ADP 300, 350, even ADP 400. You can find some sleepers in here. There's a lot of power at the position, right? That That's typically the case, but also a lot of guys in here that even in the past two years would have been top 10, right? They would have fallen somewhere around the top 10 first baseman. So yeah, it's super deep. Um, a couple young names and some, some vets as well on this list. Absolutely. I did want to bring up before we get into the episode, we're going to be talking about every basically everybody that didn't make our top 10, but I did want to you know come with a disclaimer that because there's so many first basemen, we're going to talk about, and we're going to wait to talk about guys that have multi-positional eligibility, like Luis Arise, DJ LeMayu, Jake Cronenworth, Jose Miranda, even like an Andrew Vaughn, for example, that actually would have just missed our top 10 um, at the first base category. But we're going to talk about them when we talk about outfield or second base or third base, because there's just so many guys to talk about here. Um, so yeah, just want to get that off the bat. Yeah, and Vaughn is a guy who, you know, it's going to take a lot more at-bats at first base this year, but he will have that p- positional flexibility. Um, definitely a guy that I, I'm excited to, t- to talk about, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's just let's just get right into it, Clay. All right, the number 11 guy, right? Let's just run through kind of who was 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, and then we'll get kind of deeper and talk about some rookies and playing time concerns for those guys. But the number 11 guy, C.J. Crone, just missed just missed um he's coming at adp 124 so he's actually being taken off the board right now um as you know the 10th first baseman off the board and he i mean it's warranted right cj crone plays in course he has a ton of power he's hit between 25 and 30 home runs in four straight seasons that's you know without the 2022 COVID season um we were talking pre-show did you remember that CJ Crone played for the Tampa Bay Rays? I forgot about that. And he hit 30 bombs in that season. But, you know, last season was amazing. 29 home runs, 79 runs, 102 RBIs. The average was a little bit low for cores at 357. But, you know, I, I think there's there's room for that to improve. That's probably about a floor for him. And then the in the year before that, in 2021, 28 home runs, 92 RBIs, 70 runs, and a 281 batting average. So, he is what he is in Coors Field. As long as he's playing in Coors, you can expect good numbers from him. My only thing is that the ADP right now is pretty high. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and his ISO was a, a bit down the, this year. Technically the lowest it's been since 2017. And his walks were down as well. I'm a player that I've always enjoyed watching. He just mashes the ball. The only question I have here is, Will he be in Coors the entire year, or is this the year that he gets traded, right? It kind of depends on what they're looking like, the Rockies, that is. And if there's a need out there, every year it seems like he's, you know, a candidate for the, right right, right, you know, right at the tread dead deadline. But he's going to bring power. I think it's a good player in a great situation right now with it being Coors Field. 
I'm not entirely sure if I want to take him that high, especially because we've already mentioned just how deep the position is. How different is he to several of these players on this list? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? He's being taken above guys, you know, like Christian Walker, who we mentioned last last episode, like Ryan Mountcastle, who we also mentioned in last episode. I mean, he's being taken 40 spots ahead of Ryan Mountcastle. Give me Ryan Mountcastle three rounds later, four rounds yeah. later, all day long over CJ Crone. And bringing up him getting traded is a possibility. His contract is up at the end of this season. Um, who knows what the Rockies will do? They didn't trade anybody last trade deadline, which was just bizarre. But yeah, if he does get traded, his value considerably dips. Um, all right, let's move on to the next guy. Nathaniel Lowe, Nate Lowe, however you want to call him. Is it Nathaniel? I mean, it's... it's Nathaniel Lowe, yeah. Nathaniel it was Lowe. Nate Lowe for a while there. Then he's... I think he requested that. Yeah, he wanted to stick out a little bit. I mean, there's so many of these lows and lows, so maybe he just wanted yeah. to he just wanted to be Nathaniel. But fair enough. He had quite the year last year. 302, 27 home runs. You know, the Rangers offense wasn't that great. It's only 74 runs, 76 RBIs. But a 302 average from Nate Lowe and 27 bombs is pretty freaking insane. My question is, is this sustainable? I'm going to say no. Um, the X Woba was well below the Woba. Hard hit rates were fine. The barrel rates were fine. And this isn't to say that he can't be a 280 guy with 25 home runs again, but I don't know about 302. Yeah, I I think he is a good player. The um 363 batting average on balls in play was a bit a bit high, and like you said, perfectly fine player who could hit 20, 25 home runs, tick up a year here or a year there, but. That average, I don't see that happening again. Um, but in terms of a first baseman, like if you want to bet on somebody who's in the same range as him, like I don't think he's a bad one to select because I don't think his floor is some terrible floor. I think it's still at least an average first baseman floor. He's probably he's probably one of the last guys on this list that I would want to have as my like first baseman my number one first baseman yeah. i i think you could i think you could argue that anthony rizzo who we're going to talk about next is a guy that that could be your number one first baseman as well but i think i think nathaniel Lowe is probably it for me um in terms of who i want as my number one i mean obviously ryan mountcastle but like you know i think yeah, nate right. Lowe is a guy of the would, players would... we're talking about today right now yeah. you bring up rizzo and that's a guy who i was excited to hear your thoughts on I don't really know what to make of him. Last season, he had his best year since 2019. 32 home runs, 133 WRC+. Tapped into that right field wall a bit in Yankee Stadium. What do we think of Anthony Rizzo? I literally do not know. I keep going back and forth, back and forth. So I want to ask you, Colby, and I'm going to go with whatever you say, honestly, because I just cannot wrap my mind around what to think of him. (laughs) 33 years old. I mean, I don't think age is really going to matter. Like him at 32 versus 33 doesn't really matter to me. Um, The only thing with Anthony Rizzo at this point in his career is he is a fly ball god. I mean, this guy has one of the highest launch angles in baseball, 19 degrees average last season. Um, He's hitting everything sky high. He's taking full advantage, as you mentioned, of that short porch at Yankee Stadium. So in turn, he is a batting average hole. I mean, 224 batting average last year. The year before that, 248 was a little bit better. Um, But yeah, he's not a guy that's going to be hitting close to 300 as he was for the majority of his career. So he's a much different hitter. 
Can he hit 32 home runs again? I mean, why the hell not? Honestly, why the hell not? Yankee Stadium is built for Anthony Rizzo. Um, his price right now is honestly pretty cheap at 154 ADP, right around where Ryan Mountcastle is being taken, right around where Jose Miranda, Ty France are being taken, right? Like, I think his value is fine right now. If you, again, this actually I think is the last guy where I'm like, okay, I can roll with Anthony Rizzo as my first baseman if I decide that I'm taking other guys for the first, you know, 10 to 12 picks. And I'm like, crap, I get to round 13 or 14. I'm like, uh oh, I need a first baseman. I think Anthony Rizzo is a fine selection. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's move on um, to Ty France. It's another intriguing guy who has dealt with injuries. And but when he's on the field, I mean, Ty France is a pure, a pure hitter. Um, He played 140 games last year, 152 the year before that. So maybe I'm just overblowing. I I don't know why I thought he was injured. No, no, you were right. He was injured and he played through a wrist injury near. I think it was right either right before or right after he was on the IL for it. And it kind of affected him at times. But even with the injuries, 126 WRC plus slightly down from 130. WRC plus in 2021. Now the question with him, right, is how much power is there? We know he's going to hit a lot and he's not going to strike out. He's not going to walk much. You know, I don't know. You know, he's, he's going to get on base a little, little bit less than maybe somebody who's going to walk more obviously, which could lead, you know, factor into your runs in a, in a good lineup. Right. But just how much power is there in Ty France's bat? Yeah, I mean, he's consistently been a guy right around 18, 20, 22 home runs, maybe, right? Last year, he hit 20 in 140 games. Maybe if he had played a full 150, 155, he gets to 22, 23 home runs. But yeah, he's a line drive guy. He's going to have an average, you know, around 280, 290. I mean, 274 last year, but the BABIP was pretty, pretty low. Um, I don't know. This isn't a, This isn't a guy for me where I'm like, Super excited if I'm taking Ty France. Like I, I think love that- him as a player, and I love watching him, and I've had him on my fantasy team the past two years, but I I agree. This isn't somebody at this point that um, I'm, like, dying to get on my team, you know? And part of that is because he's going to lose his positional flexibility that he's recently had. Um, depending on your league, I mean, he's had second base and third base even in some leagues recently, and I, I believe he's going to lose those. So right now you're looking at a first baseman. And to me, there's just, depending on the depth of your league, there's going to be better options. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, it's just not a guy I'm going to be targeting necessarily. I mean, maybe if I end up with him, I end up with him and I move on. It's like, it's one of those picks where it's not sexy, but you just move on and you deal with it and he fills a spot. Um, All right, let's move on to, to some big boys. Rowdy Telez is one of them. We got Josh Bell as well and Josh Naylor to talk about as well. Um, I think those three are kind of clumped together ADP ranking-wise, and they're just kind of similar as players in my mind. Uh, obviously, Josh Bell's a switch hitter, so he, he's a little bit different. But let's start with Rowdy. Rowdy's interesting because, boy, does this guy hit the crap out of the ball. 45% hard hit rate last year, 48% hard hit rate before that. He also had a max exit velocity last year, Clay, of 116.9. I mean, that was in the top 10 all season. He averaged exit velocity of 91.1. I mean, he hits the crap out of the ball. 
And it showed last year. He had 35 home runs, 89 RBIs with Milwaukee. I I don't hate Rowdy. My only problem with Rowdy is he can't hit lefties. He is That's... definitely a platoon guy. He mashes righties. He had a 117 WRC plus against righties last year, an 87 WRC plus against lefties. Um, and the average is just not there from Rowdy. 219 average last year. So, you know, I guess it's a player where you can pick your spots, but I feel like with Rowdy, you're just kind of like you're kind of in a crunch. To me, he seems like the player that you know, if you play 10, 12 man league, he's bouncing on and off rosters, depending on how hot he is, in my opinion, because the average is not going to be there. The power will be there, but it seems like there's other players that I would rather have taking a roster spot, even from other positions, maybe somebody with positional flexibility instead of a rowdy Teles. Cause if he doesn't hit 30 plus home runs, if he's in more than 25, like the value there is just not great. In my opinion, uh, a player I'd rather just skip on, but I can understand where, where some people will see, you know, the home run power and want to chase that. It kind of depends on how the rest of your roster is built, I guess. But for me, I'm staying away. Yeah, I mean, like, even just look at, you know, not to skip. I just brought Josh Naylor and um, and Josh Bell, but like. Why not just wait for like a Tristan Casas or like a Matt Mervis? Like I just go upside at first base. That's that's yeah. my entire strategy is get somebody in the top 10 that I know is going to be there. Get somebody maybe a little after that, like a Ryan Mountcastle that I can trust. And then get somebody that's really high upside. Somebody that if they do have a revolutionary rookie season, say Matt Mervis, which why don't we just talk about Matt Mervis? Because he okay. is... In my opinion, he could be the steal of the draft at first base. If the if problem the Cubs is, let him. The, yeah, the problem is, will the Cubs let him be the steal of the draft, right? They sign Eric Hosmer, which I wasn't like, th- that pissed me off for sure. But it, that wasn't the end all be all. Like Matt Mervis could beat out Eric Hosmer for that roster spot. Like I wasn't worried about that. The Red Sox are paying Eric Hosmer. Like the Cubs really don't have any real attachment to Eric Hosmer. They don't owe him any plate appearances. But then what do they do? They go inside Trey Mancini, who at this point in his career is really a DH only first base a little bit. But then that clogs everything. I still yeah. think Matt Mervis is going to be not the opening day first baseman because we're being honest. The Cubs are going to play with his service time. That's that's clear. They're playing with Matt Mervis' service time. But to get away from the playing time for a second, I mean, let's just talk about the season that Matt Mervis had last season because he kind of came out of nowhere, but it was insane what he did. He hit 36 home runs at the minor league level. He jumped three, three um, teams, right, from Love single A to double A to triple A. Seven home runs in 108 games or, or 27 games at high A. Then 14 home runs in 53 games at double A. And it just kept getting better, dude. 15 home runs in 57 games at triple A. And the strikeouts went down over time. 24% K rate in high A. Then it was a 20% K rate in double A. What do you think he struck out in triple A? 14.6% in triple A. I mean, as the pitching got better, Matt Mervis got better. There's no reason to believe that he won't continue to get better even in the big leagues. Yeah, and and this is a watchless guy right off the bat for me. 
um, just depending on the depth of your league and when you draft. Maybe you draft right before opening day and he has played so well in spring training and Hosmer's already on his way out or something, you know, whatever the situation could be. But even if he's not drafting your league or starts in the minors, watch this guy for sure. Someone to be keeping an eye on. Um, it that That is if he goes undrafted in your league. Yeah, I mean, we kind of just skipped around there, right? We went from talking about fine, Rowdy. You know? From Rowdy to Les, who's ADP 175. <laughs> and you can get Matt Mervis, who I just talked about as somebody that could be easily better than Rowdy to Les right off the bat at ADP 292. So it's like, for me, it's a guy that's basically free at the end of your draft. Yeah. And if he comes up and he doesn't do well, you can always drop him, but hold on to him for a month or six weeks, whatever it is. Because when he does come up, he's going to be a beast. And you're going to go, oh, thank you, Colby. I'm glad I drafted Matt Mervis. And there's a lot of fantasy guys that are all over Matt Mervis. Like, I'm not I'm right. not some guru telling you to draft Matt Mervis. But the the hype is warranted here. Yeah. And the guy, uh, one guy that you mentioned that I want to touch on is Josh Bell. Kind of a wild card of a player, if you ask me. Up and down years throughout his career. Has had years where he's hit over 30 home runs. Years where he's hit under 20 home runs. Um, last year he started off with the Nationals like as a hitting machine, man. He was doing it all and he looked good and then did the typical Josh Bell thing where the second half isn't as good as the first half once he got traded. I like him overall as, as a player. I am a little hesitant as a fantasy player. Um, he did walk at a 12% clip, struck out at only 15% clip. That I like, right? He's going to bat around 260, 265 for you with a, you know, like I said, kind of up and down power. And that's really where the value comes or goes for me with him is how much power is he going to have? Is he going to be second half Josh Bell or first half Josh Bell? Oh, yeah. And by the way, he I, I should mention he has switched teams, right? He's with the Guardians now. Yeah, which is, is somewhat clogged with Josh Naylor there. I think he'll get plenty of playing time. But my problem with Josh Bell and it's, it always has been my problem with Josh Bell is he hits the ball on the ground too much, right? His ground ball rate over the last three years has been above 50%. And in 2020 and 2021, he had a home run per fly ball rate above 20%. In 2021, it was 25%. He hit 27 home runs in that year. But then what happened in 2022? The ball gets a little bit more dead. Balls aren't flying as much as they were. And what happens, his home run per fly ball rate sinks into the ground. And when you're hitting that many ground balls, your power is just going to be really, really deflated. And that's my problem for Josh Bell, right? Really solid hitter, hits the ball really, really hard. But even that took a dip last year. In 2021, he had a 52% hard hit rate. Last year, it was down to 40.5%. I mean, that's a really, really big dip. And this is a guy that's, you know, it's not like he's at you know, really that cheap still he's going ADP 185. Like that's, that's a really, that's a spot where you can take some really good players. And I'm not sure if I want to, you know, draft Josh Bell who can only be played at first base there. Like I, I, if maybe if he had outfield eligibility, I would feel differently, but he doesn't. Well, let's talk about his teammate who, you know, at bats in Cleveland might be getting a little bit, you know, I think there's plenty to go around, but Josh Naylor, a guy who was kind of getting at a lot of at-bats at some points, dealt with some injuries, was on fire, or seemed like he was on and off people's roster all year. Where do you stand with Josh? Or Yeah, Josh Naylor. Where do you stand with Josh Naylor? And what do you think his 
is he going to take another jump this year? Is he going to become the power hitter that they need, or is he going to re- re- regress a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I think at the price, I think at the price, Josh Bell or Josh Naylor is the better selection here, right? He's being taken right now, thirty-five slots, twenty to thirty slots below where Josh Bell is being taken. I think they're both going to get a ton of playing time. The only problem is what you brought up. Naylor was hurt last season, on and off the field with different nagging things. He doesn't have outfield eligibility anymore, but he doesn't strike out. He hits the ball hard. He hits the ball in the air more than Josh Bell. So yeah, I think there really is twenty-five home run power in here for Josh Naylor. Um, you know. I think of the value, I think they're very similar players. And I think I would rather have Josh Naylor. Can we touch on a couple of young prospect up and coming upside? I I know Please. that you're a big I do not want guy. to talk about Josh Naylor and Josh Bell anymore. No. I do not. No. So a couple names I wanted to just put on a platter for you, being the Red Sox fan. Do we need the introduction? Tristan Cassis. <laughs> let's hear about let's do that one again clay let's do that one again sorry i uh i stumbled through that one tristan casas he's in the same vein as a matt mervis i think they're like 1a 1b where casas is 1a mervis is 1b right now from a fantasy perspective but what we do know is that Tristan Casas is going to be the opening day first baseman for the Boston Red Sox. And he said that he's worked all offseason. He's lost 15 pounds this offseason. I don't want to be the best shape of my life kind of guy, but it is telling that he's worked this offseason to be healthier, to be able to play 150, 150 games. That's what he said. He said, I want to be able to play 150 games this year. What did he do last season at the AAA level? I mean, he was a stud. 273 average. Um, struck out 21% of the time, 11 home runs with a ton of doubles. Um, the guy just flat out rakes. And then he came up to the MLB level and really raked as well. He got really unlucky at a 208 batting average balls in play. So the 197 batting average doesn't look good at all, but he takes his walks. He has, you know, a good amount of power. I think he could definitely hit, you know, 17 to 20 home runs this year. Um, with a good average, I think he could hit 260 to 270 this year, and he's going to be right there in a Boston lineup. Um, this is a guy that I think has a ton of upside. You're getting him at right around ADP 240. Maybe you have to take him a little bit above that if you really like him, um, because there will be. He's a player where there, you know, you're probably going to have somebody in your league who really wants to get Tristan Casas because there's hype there, but the ball is loud off of his bat. Uh, 42% hard hit rate last year. He did hit the ball on the ground a lot, but I expect that to change because in AAA, um, his line drive percentage was 30%, which is just ridiculous. And his ground ball rate was only 36%. So this guy's an all around hitter and he's going to be fantastic at the big league level. Yeah. And I think that you pretty much covered that well. And, you know, he watched at a 20% clip in a small sample size last year. And that's something that I like to watch with a rookie. It's just how good is their eye when they come up and see big league pitching for the first time. But as you mentioned, right, everyone loves to take the prospects, the rookies, and they love to kind of maybe take them a little bit earlier. They, It seems like it's almost like a I knew about him before you did type thing in drafts. So what I like to look at a lot of times is the sophomores, right, the second-year players, who can take a leap from there. A name that I know will come up is Spencer Torkelson, right, Big prospect. Everyone thought he, him and Riley Green would come up together in Detroit and just 
hit and, the, and that team could take a step in the right direction. Everything went south for him last year. He went down to AAA after a dreadful start in the majors and had a 100 WRC plus in AAA, just didn't really do much, came back up to the majors and put up a 117 ISO after posting a 160 ISO in AAA. Like Spencer Torkelson is a little bit lost. I'm not ruling him out, but in terms of a fantasy perspective, I don't want to draft Spencer Torkelson. Torkelson at all this year I'd rather someone else take that risk what what are your thoughts see I disagree because there is no risk here he's actually being taken below where Matt Mervis is being taken and for good reason I think but you're getting him ADP 320 I think there's upside here um Comerica is moving in the fences a little bit so hopefully that can revive some of the offense that has been lost from Detroit for a long long time the other intriguing thing here Clay is you did mention that when he came back up um, from, you know, he was basically up all of September. So the month of September, he had a 50% hard hit rate, an average launch angle of 19.7. So he was hitting the ball really hard. He was hitting the ball in the air. And his barrel percentage of 12.3%, I mean, that that's frankly elite. So there is an amazing hitter in here. Um, and maybe it, it didn't shine through um, at the end of last year. But I I think there still really is a good hitter in here and a guy that, that could be a really good major league hitter. Remember, this guy was only 22 last year. Like We do have yeah. to give him a little bit of slack because he didn't really have that much seasoning at the minor league level and then was just kind of thrown into the majors maybe a little bit too early last year. And, and you know, we don't know what what they're dealing with from a mental perspective when that happens. A lot of pressure on you. Um, but yeah, at his current ADP, I mean... It's not free, but you're getting a lot of upside late in a draft from Spencer Torkelson, in my opinion. All right, now let's move on to some names that maybe we don't love, but we have to talk about because they're being drafted late in drafts. Some people like them. Um, let's talk about Jared Walsh for a second, because Jared Walsh last year was the guy that was being taken, you know, top 200, maybe even top 150 some places. He was coming off of a 29 home run season, 98 RBI season. He hit 277 that year. My question and my concern last year with Jared Walsh was that he couldn't hit lefties. The strikeout rate was high, 26%, but he just could not hit lefties. And then what happened last year? Well, he dealt with injuries, but when he was on the field, he was one of the worst first basemen offensively in the game, 78 WRC plus he had 215, 15 home runs is what it is, but he struck out 30% of the time. And he just looked like a guy without an approach at the plate, a guy that was lost and a guy that was frankly almost unplayable in all aspects. And this year he's not being taken high at all. Do you have any hope or, you know, do you think he can regain form? I don't, and I know that the Angels lineup looks a little bit better this year, right? They've brought in some players. That's at least intriguing, but as you mentioned, high strikeouts, platoon player, mostly is going to have to rely on his power to carry him. I'm just not into that profile right now, For especially after how bad he was last year. I, I think I'd rather go someone else, and one player I like more than him that we have not touched on is, an, is another lefty who's dealt with some injuries recently, and Brandon Belt, right? Longtime giant, has really been injured the past two years. Um, 
with with some like pretty serious injuries, not nothing that robbed him of an entire season or anything, but he moves over to Toronto, which I find an interesting fit in that lineup. Um, Belton 2020 had a 171 WRC plus and a 157 WRC plus in 2021. Like I said, injuries have, have really hampered him, but he, he walks on a good clip throughout his career and he's picked up a lot of power in the past two years. The power was a little bit down in the, in the sample size from last season, but overall a guy who I think a lot of people are going to forget about because of the injury and just him not you know, playing much, but somebody who could, could bring some value. Yeah. I think Brandon belt for me is a guy that you're drafting with the hope that somebody on the blue Jays gets injured. I just don't see how he's going to get that much playing time. Yeah. He's going to get plenty of opportunities to spell Vlad Guerrero to get time. It's at DH, but this lineup is still crowded. Even after they did trade Gabriel Moreno, right? Alejandro Kirk should be getting at bats every single day, even when he's not catching. And I would argue that Danny Jansen can get at bats at DH too. I mean, his bat is really underrated. Um, So I, my only concern is it's going to be hard for Brandon belt to find at bats here. Clay, before we wrap up here, you're a Reds fan. You're a huge Reds fan. I got to give you the floor just for a second on Joey Votto. Is there any point in taking Joey Votto this year? You know, v- Votto's a player who's been in, you know, drafted in fantasy leagues for the past decade plus, right? And at this point, coming off of an injury and um, a down season, and he's really appro- approaching that 40-year-old age, you know, he's getting up there a bit. I'm not even sure if he's going to be on the active roster to start the year with where he is with his injury right now. Um, You know, I think he's a fantastic player. I just don't really know if there's much fantasy value left. You would have to see a huge power resurgence, and I'm just not willing to draft him. Uh, Yeah, that's fine. If someone wants to draft him, I'll let that be their risk i would much rather pick probably 15 to 20 um first baseman above him yeah I, i'm with you man i mean i think let's just remember that joey Votto came back at age 37 hit 36 bombs and had one like quite a quite a resurgence now he can retire at peace after this year i hope and go make the hall of fame and that'll be that but that'll do it just fantasy baseball Thank you for listening, everybody. That was the sleeper first baseman, you know, just kind of running through who we like and who we don't like at first base outside the top 10. We'll catch you next week. Have a good weekend. See you later.